welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network where we dive deep into Arbo's most besieged work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. And we are back to talk about Duress 12.3. Um, and it starts with this line by Alexis. Keep your eyes closed, Alexis told the Thorburns uselessly. <laughs> what a great line that is. It, it so effectively <laughs> conveys exactly what the problem is going to be in this chapter. These Thorburns are in here. They're never going to keep their eyes closed. There's monsters all around. They're, 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 they're being indoctrinated. It's happening. They're finding out. They're waking up. Um, and it, it really sets up how screwed this whole chapter is. <laughs> I wonder, you know, do the spirits, are the spirits just going to put all of this on Blake? Are the, Surely the Revenant, the faceless woman, going to get a bit like, oh, I'm more worried, you know, Tiff, Ty, and Alexis are around. Are the spirits going to be like, well, you didn't do enough to stop it? Uh, I mean, I guess we'll see. It, like, it would be it would be just their luck and just Blake's luck that they also get roped into the responsibility of the Thorburns. Yeah. I, I wonder if actually the responsibility will just kind of fall on Rose as the reflection of Blake here. I think that would be quite funny. <laughs> um, we'll see, though, I suppose. Welcome back. Your house is flooded, uh, maybe burnt down. Uh, and also, here's a, here's, a, here's a bunch of family members you're now responsible for. Uh, never leave the house again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she is responsible for them, right? Like, she's responsible for them in the non-practitioner sense of the word now. Like, I find it yeah, hard that yeah. she won't have to take on some responsibility with them. Yeah, that's true. Um, um, but anyway, so, so going back to what you were saying about uh, this great opening line, like, I feel like quite often... We pull out the the opening line because I think, you know, the opening line of a chapter is so important for setting the tone of the chapter and, and, and sort of setting up what it's going to be about or, or what's going to be happening. And, uh, I mean, this one is a particular standout. It There's like a maniacal sense of humour uh, in this one of just like things are so fucked. You, Blake just can't help but like make it go away with humour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Things do feel pretty fucked at the start of this chapter. Um <laughs> So Blake and the Cabal and the Thorburns, who collectively I will unironically refer to as the goodies, um, they are kind of struggling to close the door to the library as uh, this clockwork man from last chapter is uh, is uh, holding it open with his metal hands. Uh, yeah. I mean, we also quickly get confirmation that Eva is out of the fight now, in <laughs> yeah. case there was any doubt about that at no, the end yeah. of the last chapter. A monkey she, uh, comes in and she says... No, nah, go get him. Nah. It's pretty great. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's pretty hilarious. Yeah. Um, and th the thing I like about this chapter is... So this is the setup to the thing that has to be dealt with this chapter, right? There's a big, strong metal man, and he's holding the door open, and you need to stop him from doing that without getting too close for too long, because otherwise all the other things will get you. It's like a... It's a very simple setup, and it feels like this fight has had kind of a few different pieces to it. And this feels like a very nice kind of emergent puzzle that has to be solved as a part of this greater fight arc. I think it's just a really nice way of having individual, you know, challenges to solve each each chapter that are all part of this overarching fight that's taking place. Yeah, exactly. So far, this, this whole arc, and even bits of the last one, have just been this one sort of battle for the house. But everyone has sort of felt very unique and fresh. Yeah. Um, and there's been like a consistent trend towards things being also more confined and like, I guess just more fucked. Yeah. 
Uh, like it feels like every chapter since Blake originally came back to the house to free his cousins, I feel like at the end of the chapter I've been like, well, now they're even more screwed and there's even less places for them to go. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, where do you go when you run out of places is the, uh, is the question that is posed by the end of this chapter, I think. Um, so... Uh, this clock boy is holding open the door, and uh, under his arms come this kind of skeletal praying mantis figure, as well as a few shitty homunculi. Um, and this praying mantis slashes Callan, gets him in the throat, and uh, kills him. Just happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, this is the thing. Like, This thing impales Blake at the end of last chapter. Yeah. And he sort of felt the poison go through him. And uh, I guess luckily there's not much Blake Thorburn left, so there wasn't much for it to spread to, because um, it doesn't really slow Blake down. But like, I, like just as much as this death is shocking and like all about Callan, the fact that Blake just got stabbed by this thing and it barely slowed him down is is just another one of those checks on the on the list of like Blake is concerningly not human right now. Yeah, um, yeah, this thing is kind of explicitly a a weapon that is used to murder humans. <laughs> Um, and it failed against Blake, which kind of implies, okay, therefore he's not human, right? Um, well, I mean, it hit him, like, it hits you with this embodiment of death, and uh, it hit Blake with death, and Blake just kind of shrugged it off. Yeah. Uh, so that's not a good sign uh, yeah. for his humanity. I mean, it's a good sign for his survival, um, maybe. It depends on what you define survival as, probably. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's pretty shocking, this death, though, right? Like, Callan getting killed by this thing, it feels very sudden and brutal, even for, I don't know, even for Wildbo. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I, I didn't question it as it happened, cause like, because it's like Wildbo, and I was sort of like, oh, shit, Callan's just died. Like, the stakes have just been raised a bit. But it's, it's the way it's, like, right at the start of the chapter that you just sort of like, oh, shit, this chapter isn't fucking around. Like, uh... Callan, Callan gets off, and he, and he, you know, he gets hit in the throat as well, which is a bit of a callback to 12.2, yeah. uh, when Blake got slashed by the, uh, things in the throat. Again, just another beat of how Blake is not feeling very human or mortal right now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, he's definitely, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it is, it is, because Callan's death is so much echoed by, like, all the things that happened to Callan happened to Blake last chapter, and he's kind of fine, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so Callan needs to get some spirits in him, and that will have prevented this, I suppose. Um, no. Well, I'm still undecided if that's a trade worth making. Yeah, true. (laughs) Um, so yeah, Callan, uh, is dying, and with his kind of dying energy, he, he charges the clockwork man and basically achieves nothing, um, except a noble (laughs) sacrifice. I mean, I don't want to, you know... I feel bad saying it, but he doesn't make any headway, unfortunately. Um, and uh, Catherine, um, I mean, his starts... arm. Oh, his yeah. arm. His arm being there a bit later kind of helps a little yes, bit. Yes, that's true. He does become an obstruction, which is good. Um, Catherine loses the plot completely at this point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess just just quickly jumping back on Callan, uh, mm. I, I feel like it, it makes his death hurt a little bit less that he goes out like a badass. Um, you know, even if it's not effective, it's so brave, uh, and it's it's sort of the first instance of something this chapter really starts to hit us with, which is even Blake starting to realize that these Thorburns, you know, they may be shitheads, but they're not useless. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we've been saying it for a while now, but it's it's even peeking through Blake's uh, 
you know, blinders that he's got up. Well, I mean, even saying they may be shitheads, like this chapter does its best to tell us that the Thorburns aren't shitheads, right? Um, yeah. Callan, Peter, Ellie, they all have some real not shithead moments, uh, which is interesting. I, I think we're starting to see the uh, the humanity behind the Thorburns a bit. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, I, th- I think we've been seeing it for a while, but well, even true. Blake is starting... Even Blake is starting to see that they're they're a bit more three dimensional than he gave them credit for. <laughs> um, yeah. So then, yeah, I want to talk about Catherine because she kind of loses the plot a bit, right? She she mm. kind of struggles with the fact that she has to be in danger now that she is in danger and she has to kind of <laughs> do something. Um, and, and it's it's interesting because I kind of we are seeing this through Blake's perspective, which I feel is. You know, obviously, definitely negative on these Thorburns. But even saying that, I think he's probably got an accurate read on what's going through her brain here. It doesn't feel inaccurate. I think, in general, his reads could be summarised as as being harsh but fair Mm. uh, of most of the Thorburns, based on what we've seen. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, I, I think now, based on how they all act in this chapter... I think we're legally allowed to say that Catherine is the worst Thorburn. <laughs> um, Aside from Uncle Paul. Um, well, of the of the ones that are here. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, Roxanne also doesn't do anything, but she's 12, so I kind of... You can't be too hard on her. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see where Roxanne's at, because we set her up in Arc 11 as just this absolute badass, and then in Arc 12, she's just sort of fallen into the background. Uh, yeah. So I wonder, I wonder where she's at. I'll be interested to see how she's coping as things calm down a bit or, or as things move forward. Cause yeah, it, what makes you has, think things are going to calm down, Elliot? Yeah, I, that was a stupid idea, never mind. <laughs> um, yes, so, so, no, I agree with you. I'm interested to see how Roxanne deals with this now that... Because, okay, so when, when things with the witch hunters were getting, you know, coming to a head... Uh, Roxanne's response was like, oh, they're spies, I want to be like them, and then I'm going to kill them, right? Which was funny mm. and terrifying. Um, and now Roxanne kind of no- sees the what's actually going on. Um, and similar to how Peter kind of freaks out about how it seemed cool at first, but he should have realised it was way worse than it appeared. I- I'm interested to see how <laughs> Roxanne will respond to that, having that same realisation. Um Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, I think it's going to be really interesting to see where she's at now that she's learnt a bit more and seen a lot more. Well, yeah, seeing uh, Callan's death is probably the best way to say to them, hey, yeah, magic's real, but this isn't, you know, this isn't, uh, <laughs> you're not going to Hogwarts, basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so Catherine kind of struggles with, with trying to figure out what she should do, and eventually she realises that if she doesn't do anything, she's probably going to die. And so she starts to pitch in and do her bit, um, and she smushes a few homunculi with a chair. So good effort, Catherine. <laughs> I mean, the the real shit here is is Blake's like internal roast uh, yeah. of Catherine. Basically, um, it's interesting. In general, I'd say he's almost come down on the older Thorburns a bit harsher than the others when he dumps on them. Like he tends to have the younger ones, and he's like, "Oh, they're shitheads," but it's the family's fault. Whereas the older ones, he kind of tends to say they set the shit example. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's interesting because as you touched on, Catherine is the one who we still haven't really seen do anything yet. Um, except complain about how she's a single mom. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like 
that's the thing. She is, from the looks of it, a seeming, like, a moderately successful chef, which is, like, a, um, you know, quite, like, famously high-stress job. Uh, and, you know, she she is a single mom, and, you know, that's not the world, as she would like you to think, but, like, it, you know, it's not nothing. Yeah. So she can't be completely useless, and, I, like, you know, if she's the oldest... It, this probably is the hardest for her, so I, I don't know if I want to write her off quite yet, like Blake seems to. But mm. uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I guess we'll keep an eye on it. But I, like, she can't be that useless. No, yeah, she. I think there's depths to her that we haven't hit yet because we have only seen her. Like, I feel like what this chapter is really doing for us is showing us the side of the Thorburns that isn't just them fighting with each other and being shit all the time, right? Yeah. Um, and that's, we haven't seen the, that side of Catherine yet. We've only seen her in the context of, let's just fucking undercut all the Thorburns. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Blake also tells her to trust her instincts, which I think is interesting considering what Alexis was saying to him like six-ish chapters ago mm. uh, about him not trusting his instincts. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have anything concrete to tie these two ideas together. I just sort of noticed it. Uh, it just stood out to me. Yeah, fair enough. Maybe there is uh, a payoff coming for those two linking ideas. Yeah, um, maybe. So, I have a question, which is, why are these homunculi here? <laughs> um, they're, they're such a non-threat that Catherine is able to take them out. Um, that's, that's all I need to say. No, like, there's mo- these parts where Ty... I think Ty and I think Tiff as well are kind of struggling to hold the door closed against the automaton. And while they're doing this, they're just able to kind of idly kick at a homunculi that bites at them and deal with it <laughs> with that. Like, they're such a non-threat. Um, yeah, I mean, they're like creeps in, in Dota, right? Like, they're, they're not actually there to do damage. They're just there to sort of get in the way and, and put, like, a small but consistent amount of pressure on you. I like that. I like how you've made it into uh, terms that I can relate to, Elliot. I appreciate (laughs) that. (laughs) I'm a man of the people. No, yeah, that makes sense. Um, And they do have this moment coming up where, (laughs) which maybe this is the fastest turnaround I've ever done on something, but where the homunculi uh, vanish and and they're just gone. (laughs) And Blake's like, oh shit, well, we'll have to deal with that later. Which I think is a very fun beat and one that I'm excited to hopefully see pay off. Oh, that's a Chekhov's gun that is almost certainly going to go off in the next chapter or two, I, I think, yeah. Um, maybe maybe, maybe next chapter, as they're discussing Operation Even More Fucked, uh, they'll, uh, the homunculi make an appearance. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, they're really just here to uh, put pressure on you so that you can't take a break between dealing with all of the actual things you're fighting, like, uh, you know, this Bane and, uh, uh, you know, the Clockwork Man and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, so they 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 continue to try and deal with the with with the clock boy. Um and eventually the the goodies are able to basically just smash chairs into him enough that his legs the cogs in his legs start to, you know, get all blocked up with wood and his legs buckle and they're able to get the door closed. Um and it clicks shut, which means they're safe forever, hopefully. Um <laughs> And now the only thing left inside is this Bane, this praying mantis skeleton. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, you were talking about how the homunculi were kind of shit because Catherine was able to bait them. Um, I think that also applies to this gear person. Mm. Um, like, I don't know. You have to be pretty committed to your theme, uh, Bahames, 
to still be building a gear person in this day and age. Like, uh, clogging the gears is such an obvious tactic. Mm. I don't know what they were expecting. I'm honestly surprised it took this group that long. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I think if you've got a clockwork man like this, it's a problem because if you stick to your theme, even if you stick to your theme is shit, but if you don't stick to your theme, obviously that would weaken the kind of overall perception of it, and it would also be mm. shit. So you just can't win if you're a behame. You're just stuck with a shit theme, I think. Oh, come on. People invented digital clocks a while ago. Surely they can do something with that. <laughs> They're going to turn into digital clock wizards. <laughs> <laughs> kind of A kind of technomancer, I suppose it would be. <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, I think if you can deal with, like, time zones on computers that that's a kind of wizardry oh yeah i see interesting so they'll they'll, it'll all be about calculating time differences between places and using that to fuel their magic yeah they've mastered timestamps. um so the the goodies uh basically are now fighting against this bone mantis and they can't even hurt it let alone kill it right um and blake decides the best way to solve this is to uh to speed read his way to an answer yeah i mean i usually wait till i've died a few times to a boss before looking up the walkthrough yeah, like, but blake has uh, already was, died a few I think times it's cheating. In this fight. yeah that's fair okay yeah never mind <laughs> so he's um. sk- skipping straight <laughs> to the game guide uh for real though i do love this like i think i've said a bunch of times that i would actually just be happy to read practitioner textbooks i think they're always so much fun they're always so fucked up yeah uh and this is a great this is a great way to 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 work one in especially because the idea of reading under pressure uh gives us an excuse to just jump from bit to bit and and get all these horrifying snippets it's great yeah um god there's this image of the banes that blake finds and it's it's disgusting it's so horrifying It's real. Yeah, yeah and I mean, bad. I mean, that's just practitioner books in a nutshell, isn't it? They're always so fucked up, and it's it's always so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, I love this idea that uh, vampires or, or Nosferatu, as they've as they're called in this, um, a sort of this natural alternative to the Bane. Uh, like we saw something similar with the Sphinx and the Jin, mm. didn't we? Like Jin was sort of said to be like a natural and more powerful version of Sphinxes. Um, I, I don't know. I just feel like, I wonder if that's a trend that's going to go somewhere. Like, uh, you know, Eva talked a few chapters ago about how humans were sort of s- smoothing the edges of creation, mm. um, presumably with our ability to, like, you know, have ideas and, and, and empower the spirits. Yeah. And I wonder if, you know, what Johannes is sort of saying with us scope creeping is a thing, like, and we're not just scope creeping on others in in the, in sort of take up their space but we're also creating artificial versions of them which is impacting you know it's it's a climate change metaphor is basically what i'm coming at interesting like you know. yeah where isadora is the what the greenhouse gases oh i i don't know just like you know something that is taking taking up the domain of uh like the the original thing it's more like introduced species i guess i don't right. know right yeah interesting yeah, I wonder. Uh, I wonder if that's something we'll see. Because you're right that there, are, there are there have been some beats of the kind of man-made stuff usurping the natural. I mean, we talked about how um, metal seems to have replaced wood as a fundamental element, right? Which feels like another mm. example of this of of humanity just kind of becoming such a dominant species that they impact what the core elements of the world are. Yeah, like, are we going from smoothing the edges of creation to having a more guiding hand in it? Um, and, you know, is that a good or a bad thing? Considering, like, you know, 
what a mess humanity is probably it's not great but also yeah. no one else seems to be doing much better so i don't know yeah it does kind of feel like what you mentioned it kind of an allegory for global warming right like i mean mm. and and we've touched on this with the idea of demons and radiation um it kind of feels similar like uh being a practitioner that's you know capitalism that's uh the industrial revolution i suppose and and demons and and uh, karmic radiation is the equivalent of poisoning the planet yeah it's it's pollution um mm. yeah i mean yeah mm. um yeah exactly I, I don't know it'll be interesting to see see with where, where this goes in the book but i feel like i feel like this idea of artificial like sort of equivalence of most natural others is maybe something that will become thematically uh quite relevant okay keep an eye out for we'll it see. yeah um so blake finds out that natural things will be able to kill this bane uh but they don't have it they don't have what they need um except ava does she has a stake made out of green wood except she's not willing to play ball um except she does give them a helpful hint that they can also use bone fresh bone fresh bone um, <laughs> straight off the limb yeah um a nice I fresh mean... cut of bone for you <laughs> <laughs> i mean she's such a fucking psycho i love it uh, yeah her, her standing on this thing playing i mean blake compares her to uh the like uh like the roman emperors in the Colosseum, and i think that that's so perfect yeah um that's exactly what it feels like yeah it's pretty great isn't it um i i would also like to pay some respects here to peter who so let me read it out um peter uh, she wants us to do it peter commented and then blake thinks she wanted us to do it and, and it so figuring out the bone thing is basically all peter's ability to read ava that kind of prompts blake into making the connection um it's, yeah blake has the more esoteric knowledge to to pull out the bone thing yeah like, like the more learning he, he's the rose in this situation and peter's the one who's like peter's reading blake. Yeah. Ava. yeah uh and and actually sort of comes up with the critical piece of, of information yeah uh, i absolutely love that though like peter is so he just seems to really have taken to being a practitioner yeah, I mean, he's not even one yet, but well, he's, he's sorry, be a to natural. being in this uh, world, yeah, it's, I guess it, it's only a matter of time. Let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> assuming he survives, I guess. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, because you're right, we haven't touched on it much since like it was eleven dot nine or eleven dot ten. Yeah, was really the uh, the Peter is killing it chapter where he flooded the house. Yeah, uh, and this this is you know it, it's worth reminding us that uh, yes, he is still kicking ass. Yeah, um, and to counteract. <laughs> any good feelings we might have towards him when they figure out it's bone immediately peter suggests that christoph needs to sacrifice some bones because he hasn't done much yet as a 14 year old boy he's not good for much else um which i don't even know like what does he want to do like just snap off an arm and chuck it at the bane like it's i don't i don't know what he thinks it would he would do yeah Look, he's great at reading people, and he was doing a great job at being a practitioner, but at the end of the day, uh, he's been good at being a practitioner, um, so that's not necessarily a good thing. Also, he's still just a Thorburn. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, and the universe sees fit to punish Peter for this, because uh, the Bane kind of breaks free of, of the chain that was holding it back, and immediately turns on Peter, advancing on him to kill him. Um Yes, because basically we reach a stalemate because somebody needs to make a sacrifice at this point. Somebody needs to, uh, you know, offer some bone. And that's a sacrifice Blake can't make. And uh, nobody here is equipped to deal with a situation where Blake can't make the sacrifice because that's kind of his niche. Uh, so 
yeah, they're all just standing around waiting for somebody else to, to yeah. sign up for once. Nobody's going to bone the bane uh, without Blake to do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and Peter's, Peter, Peter, uh, this is the moment where Peter kind of freaks out about how he thought uh, being a practitioner would be more school of witchcraft and wizardry and not so much like horror and torment the whole time. Um, yes. Well, in particular, he finds out that karma is a thing in this universe and he's not a fan of that idea. <laughs> no, pretty, he, he kind like, of realizes that that means he's he's destined to always have things like this happen to him. Yeah. And I mean, we've talked about this like a couple of times when we've talked about Peter, like this idea that he is seemingly quite self-aware that he's a massive asshole. Uh, and, you know, I, I actually think that makes it worse because if you're, if you're self-aware enough to realize it, then you're self-aware enough to try and improve yourself. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is another funny instance of him being self-aware enough to know that he's not going to do well in a world where there's karma. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so he thinks he's going to die. Like, it, 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 it looks pretty grim for him. Um, he starts saying some quite rel- relatively, for a Thorburn, heartwarming things to Ellie. Um, yeah, I mean, I love... This is very true to the relationship between them that's been yeah. set up. Like, we saw some similar banter in 11.8 or 11.9. Uh, you know, they've grown up in, in such a toxic environment. I guess this is their way of communicating their feelings for each other, and it's sad and adorable. Yeah. I, I want to pull out the quote where, where Peter says to her, it's going to be a bad one. Um... If you make it out of this, you can have my stuff. Fuck you, I don't want your stuff, Ellie said. <laughs> Which is a very Ellie response, but is um, it is quite touching. She She's so clearly terrible at dealing with actual emotion that she just kind of flips out a bit. But yeah, you can tell she's not happy about this. A Thorburn? Terrible at dealing with emotion? I, know, right? I never. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah. So Ellie makes a incredible play here where she 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 saves Peter the only way she knows how by basically being a weasel. Um, she kind of lunges at Ava continuously, intentionally getting herself beaten up and playing up the sob story to give herself to get close enough to Andy to inject him with something and get Ava back on side. And it's like a <laughs> it's so good. Like it's so baller. I love it yeah i mean we finished this round robin of complimenting most of our new thorburns uh by bringing it around to ellie who has been playing 4d chess on everyone this whole time yeah yeah so we kind of play back to well okay so let's talk about this so she intentionally got herself beaten up by ava when they were tied up right right when blake was fleeing yeah. freeing them for the first time was that a setup for her doing this long term like already starting to put herself in the oh, you don't have to worry about me, I'm so sniveling that I'm not even a threat, just so she could set up plays like this. Obviously not this specific thing, but plays like mm. this in the future. Uh, no, I absolutely think that's what it was. That was that was honestly my first thought when this when, when she injected him. I was like, she's been like setting this sort of thing up the whole yeah. fucking time. Uh, she's She's been creating this dynamic where Eva thinks of herself as the alpha, as, mm. um, as Blake talks about it. Uh, and I mean... It, I, that was actually, I think, my first guess when it happened in 11.9. I was like, is she just trying to create a sense of comfort for Eva? But I was thinking much more short-term. Apparently, Ellie is is fairly good at, at long-term planning, um, you know, which is an, a nice thing for a Thorburn to do for a change. Um, <laughs> I, I think the thing I like is we get this beat. Blake mentions that she's been to Juvie, and this feels like this was her survival strategy there. It was play the yeah. underdog get in, you know, close to one of the, whoever, one of the big, the, the big names, and then, 
you can have an opportunity to fuck them over later if you want to because they won't suspect you. No, I absolutely think that's what she's been doing, and that's basically what Blake thinks. And I mean, it's it's incredible. Like it's so yeah, yeah, uh, it's great. I I have a lot more hope and respect for Ellie moving ahead. Um, relatively, anyway. Yeah, um, it's a pretty good plan. Um, so now, of course, Ava has to save Peter, uh, bone or no bone. She jumps down and uses her green steak wood thing to uh, stab the bane and kill it. Um, and Ellie confesses that Andy is now poisoned, and she will only tell him, her what what she poisoned him with if Ava helps them survive the night. Yeah, so as I'm done complimenting uh, what was a great setup to, to do this move, you, you do have to think, um, it's also an example of Blake Thorburn style not thinking about the long term, because now she's maybe going to have Eva on her back, and uh, I mean, I guess the Bane is bad, but uh, I think Eva's arguably worse to have uh, uh, coming after you. Uh, yes. So... It, it by no means feels like they're out of the woods, especially if she really did inject him with poison or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get that vibe too of like, I don't think she really knows what she's injected him yeah. with. <laughs> but Ava I kind mean, of has to play along because what else is she going to do? Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, you know, because I was sort of thinking, why would Rose Senior or, or Junior just have like a bottle of poison? Like, you know, Ellie kind of gives this impression that she's injected him with something from a bottle that had a skull and crossbones on it. Yeah. Um, which is just like, I don't think that sort of thing would exist in this universe. So I'm a little bit more interested to see what it turns out being to be. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's going to be a bit more interesting than just poison. Who knows what it's going to be. Um, yeah, it, it came from this library. It could be fucking anything. Yes, exactly. It could be like demon fucking juice i don't know yeah andy's gonna wake up fucking half demon or something yeah um there's there's actually a a bit i want to pull out because i I think this is really the capstone of the chapter um which is where they ask eva to trust them and uh eva says trust you you're some of the saddest most disgusting excuses for humans i've ever met and blake thinks i wasn't sure i agreed Mm, that's high praise (laughs) yeah fuck we were sad we were disgusting but Callan's dying action and Ellie stepping in to save her brother. Uh, and, he, and, he, and he sort of goes off on another tangent. But uh, yeah, I mean, basically, as we sort of said, Blake, the the qual- the good qualities of these Thorburns are starting to make their way past Blake's blind spots, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is, uh, you know, a good thing. If we're breaking down Blake's blind spots, I've got another one I think he should tackle. Mm. Uh, but... Yeah, uh, I don't know. Like, I, th- I think this is this is sort of the chapter where Blake is starting to finally realise that just because these are shit people doesn't mean they're useless. Yeah, yeah. It, like, it's interesting. He's kind of warming up to them a bit, right? Um, which, I mean, you know, it's interesting to think that he never actually grew up with them. So, <laughs> I mean, if he had, I wonder what, what he would think if he had just met all of these Thorburns, you know... Uh, a week ago right i wonder what his impression of them would be i wonder what his impression would be if he'd hung out with any of them as much as Paige and molly yeah yeah it's true it's true maybe he would be able to maybe he would maybe maybe it is just a coincidence because we kind of talked about sorry actually just just to be clear i guess technically he did hang out with all of them just as much as Paige and molly because all of them had zero time with blake well yes sure but (laughs) you know we've talked about how seeing these Thorburns has made us realise how close Blake and Rose are to them, right? And maybe the yeah. real thing that cuts through a Thorburn's shittiness is just spending enough time with you that they start to kind of like you. Yeah, and having bigger fish to fry than each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it was uh, Isha Moradin on our uh, 
Discord the other day who said the Thorburns are like a bucket of crabs. Like, you know, they're all sort of stumbling and, and flipping over each other and keeping each other down in the bucket. But if you stick your hand in there, you're going to get <laughs> yeah, like, you're gonna get bit. Yeah. <laughs> what do crabs do? You're going to get pinched. Pinched, yeah. Um, yeah, no, definitely. Um, pro Thorburns. I'm pro Thorburns now. I like them. <laughs> I've turned around. I don't know if I'd go that far, but uh, I'm They're certainly great. not as anti-Thorburn as I was. I think the Thorburns are a perfect... Uh, a perfect representation of how humans are in the middle between angels and demons, right? Like, they're just so in the middle, and I love it. Oh, and they're so, I, I mean, you know, just dis- dysfunctional. Like, I think they perfectly capture how uh, humans have this tendency to spend more time in fighting than actually dealing with the real <laughs> yeah, problems. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I want to I want to talk about what Ellie and Peter uh, the the response after Ellie saves Peter. Um, it, again, it's so heartwarming. Ellie basically processes this the only way she knows how by threatening to uh, abuse Peter in retribution for the abuse she suffered at the hands of Ava. And Peter says, "Sure, Ellie." Peter said, smiling, <laughs> which is so. I, it's just I love it. It's so it's so good. Um, yeah, it's 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 kind of adorable. Yeah, I uh, I'm all for this like toxic layer of sarcasm over an actual <laughs> loving relationship <laughs> idea. Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, the goodies now with Ava back on side have bought themselves some time to think, uh, but they need a new plan. Um, and uh, the current front runner plan is hiding on the fourth floor, <laughs> which got to admit, <laughs> bad plan. Um, and Blake comes up with one that he thinks is better, but only barely, meaning that he's he's really struggling with how he's going to explain it to them. I mean, he doesn't sell it very well. He basically opens with, this might actually be worse than going and hiding up with the barber. Um, it sets a very bad tone for the opening of, of this plan, which will presumably be the start of next chapter. Yeah. Um, I'd also like to point out that uh, Blake didn't react th- this badly when he thought about awakening the Thorburns. Like... He didn't even think twice then, and he's thinking twice now, which goes to show how terrible this plan must actually be. I mean, in saying that, like, not only did Blake not think twice about awakening, awakening the Thorburns, he's barely thought twice about it since kind of kicking it off. Like, yeah. that whole idea really did get swept up in, in rescuing them. Like, I think you brought this up in the very chapter uh, where he was, like, helping them get loose, or it was just sort of like, so is he... Is he going all in on awakening them? Is he, like, what's, like, he, he sort of kind of got lost. He, he went there seemingly with the plan to just straight up awaken at least some of them. And then it's just kind of turned into this weird shit show since then. And I have no idea if, if Blake has any idea what he actually was expecting to happen. Yeah. Or um, what he thinks has happened. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's, he's, I mean, this is what Blake does, right? He thinks, okay, this is an okay <laughs> idea. Let's try it. And then things just kind of happen. And he goes, all right, well, this is, you know, this is 80% what I wanted. So let's just go with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so Blake kind of hints enough at his plan and how much fire is involved that I don't think it's a, like he doesn't explicitly say it. But I think we can reasonably assume that they, he wants to set fire to something, <laughs> presumably the house, which has been lampshaded as being flammable throughout this you know throughout the this arc and last arc right um yeah i mean blake even sort of calls that out because he was right like i did notice that there were quite a few times last arc where people were talking about fire burning down the house and i like uh, i can't believe i didn't connect it at all until blake spelled it out for me for us it's uh yeah i mean 
<laughs> poor rose um <laughs> yeah it's gonna it's going from bad to worse um no yeah i think it's uh of course a bad plan i mean mm. i mean i don't want to question it too much because i know blake's gonna justify it in the next chapter but setting fire to a house while you and the bindings of a big scary demon are dependent on that house existing is not a great plan no matter how you cut it and not to mention it's also flooded well that's so- essentially yeah no but like that's essentially been the premise of of the fire worry this whole arc and a bit is basically the idea that the barber is up the top being held in by the diagram and if you burn the house down that's going to shatter and he's going to get out yes and that's very bad yes so yeah i mean (laughs) i'm very interested to get more details on this plan um and, and and just like another sort of stray thought like the idea of um Rose coming back, like we we're just talking about how Blake hasn't really thought about this whole idea of awakening the Thorburns. I wonder if he's going to be confronted by that by Rose. Like, I wonder if it's just going to be Ro- when Rose gets back and sees what a shit show this place has become. If she's just going to be like, and why the fuck did you awaken the Thorburns? And Blake's going to have to pause and be like, what was? Uh, yeah, why uh, did I do that? Uh, Actually, did I awaken on. the Thorburns yet, or was I? Am I still going to get to that? Yeah. Um, Sorry. Yes, awaken's the wrong term. Um. What, what, I don't know what the Strip word away is. their innocence, is that? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. Bad another Another about. solid action chapter. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I really uh, like Another I th- solid action chapter. It, it's like, we've had three in a row. They've been great. They've all been nice and varied. This was a great chapter. Uh, I loved it. This is my yeah. favorite chapter in a while, I think, just because there's so much awesome stuff going on. Um, so many good bits. And Ellie, Ellie's interaction with Ava this chapter is like top shit. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Um... I, I'm just loving this arc, like the the amount of sort of setup for future character moments we're doing in amongst all this action sort of has me very excited for where it's going to go in the second half. Um, I'm so excited to find out what Blake's fucking stupid plan is for the house. Yep. Um, but I mean, for me, it's going to be two weeks before I find out. <laughs> um, it's, uh, I've got to, I've got to, uh, yeah, it's awful. But through the magic of editing, our next episode will come out in only a few days. So how does that work? Nobody yes. knows. We're, we're secretly Bahames is the answer. <laughs> Time magic. Time magic. Um, so that's the end of our chapter. Uh, a quick reminder, folks. Uh, we do currently have a discussion question that you can leave your answers to in the discussion thread. And that question is uh, more of a writing prompt. Uh, create the backstory for a boogeyman based on a local urban legend. Still have a few yes. chapters to get in your uh, your theories, your uh, backstories here, your your own little mini histories arcs, as it were. Um, <laughs> post those in the comments, and you have until we release our episode on twelve point five, which will be on the eighteenth. Yes. So uh, in by Friday, I think it is. Yeah. Um, I'm going to double check that. Checking, checking. Cut yes. this bit out. I was right. Um, yeah. Uh, and so then before we go, uh, for our bonus bit today, uh, we're going to be doing a comment dive because basically we want to see what everyone else was thinking five years ago about how everyone's doing right now. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pull out my one first. This is a comment by Nick012000. Um, and of course, hmm. the fact that vampires were mentioned in Pact meant that a lot of people in the comments were theory crafting about what that would exactly mean. Um, uh, so so uh, Blake read... Uh, uh, I want to actually give a bit more context. Nick's comment isn't about vampires itself. Uh, Nick's comment is about um, is about the fact that if vampires exist and are you know related to Bane's, it means that vampires obviously don't uh, necessarily kill people. They could turn them, and that might apply to other types of Bane's as well. So the theory is 
Callan might not be fully dead here. He might be coming back in a different form. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it sounds pretty upsetting, and it sounds like the kind of thing that would lead to some very interesting and weird uh scenes and it's the kind of thing that i think would be very juicy to read if written by wild bow so i'm kind of morbidly curious to see if this happens how it would be handled yeah because i mean a staple of uh well i guess more zombie stuff than than really vampire things is the idea that like somebody in somebody that you love turns and you have to kill them once they've turned i mean and it's a staple for a reason it's pretty good stuff um uh, you're right, I would be very interested to see how Wild Bow tackles it, because uh, Pax has done such a good job of taking tropes like that and adding a layer to it. I'd be very interested to see what uh, what could be done there. Yeah. Um, I actually just see, because like, cause vampires have been mentioned once before in the story, right? Like, it was well, very early on. <laughs> no. Uh, they it mentioned... was fairy acting as yeah. vampires, right? Yeah, they, they, Wild Bow clearly made a dig at, twi- at Twilight, where he mentioned fairy that had glamoured themselves to look like vampires. I think there was a mention that actual vampires in this universe are really shit, which I, I mean, it's just great because, you know, Pact came out like five years ago, as we've mentioned, and uh, the media at the time was pretty saturated with shitty vampire uh, fiction. So I can see why Wildbo <laughs> wanted to draw a line in the sand between Pact and uh, yes. <laughs> everything else that was coming out at the time. Yeah, true. True. Um, um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I put out a comment from Zim the Fox. Uh, and basically, you know, to find this comment, I had to wade through a whole bunch of comments, uh, talking about how awful Blake's plan could possibly be. Um, very awful. Um, you know, with Barbatorum up in the tower and everything and, uh, lots of other people speculating as we have, like, what is Rose going to think? Yeah. Um, but Zim has this really interesting idea that, uh, all the fire speak and, and Blake not thinking this plan is terrible. Maybe he's planning on finally uh, giving Evan what Evan's always wanted. <laughs> uh, and turning him into the fire sparrow. And, I mean, I can just get behind this because this is the least terrible use of fire that I can think of because at least it's helping Evan. Uh, and Evan got injured earlier in the chapter, so it would be a nice little sort of setup for that. So, I don't know. Zim, uh, I hope you are correct or you were correct. I don't know. I I think if the fire plan is going to work, it needs to be quite a controlled burn. And uh, Evan may be a I bit... I trust Evan. Well, yeah. I trust him too, but just... I trust him not to fuck it up on purpose. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. I know he wouldn't fuck it up on purpose. Uh, yeah. But uh, anyway, so that's, that's everything for this episode. Yeah. Uh, if you want to answer that discussion question or just talk about anything else uh, related to duress 12.3 you can find a link in the show notes to a discussion thread yeah um if you're looking for a way to support the show a great way to do that would be to review the show on itunes um it can help it be discovered by more people which means you're basically spreading the joy of pact which i know we all want to do so um yeah review the show and in in please if you like it is joy of pact the right word or the right phrase uh, it like- depends on which chapter i think yeah, I mean, I love Pact, but joy isn't the word I would associate with it. Elation. Um, <laughs> no, not, not that either. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, sorry. Uh, we're also on Twitter. <laughs> good segue, <laughs> good segue. My, my, my brain just, just collapsed so for a second there. Sometimes you just can't come up with a segue, and that's okay. Yeah. Twitter, at Medium D Podcast. Yep. Etc. Yeah, we might do a live read for the first time in a while. Yes. Uh, actually, that's a good point. Right after... Right after this airs, I'll be sitting down to live read 12.4. I'll be back on a regular schedule for recordings Yay. and for live reads. Yay. Um, 
Yes, uh, our Twitter is at MediaMDPodcast. And if you want to find out more about Deep Impact and the other great shows on the Doof Media Network, you can go to doofmedia.com, the home of the network, uh, where you can find all the great shows on the Doof Media Network, such as mm, What You Say, which I'm going to defend until my dying day as the best show on the Doof Network, even better than this one, so go and listen to it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you love what you say as much as Ruben does, mm-hmm. head on over to patreon.com forward slash doofmedia. Uh, and that's where you can help keep what you say on the airwaves. Yep. Slash internet pipelines. Yep. That's what they call things. them. Um, yes, you can support the Doof Network. We are a patron, a patron supported network, which means we only exist because people give us money to exist. Um, so if you want to be one of those lovely people, go to patreon.com slash doofmedia. Uh, also, Wildbo is a patron-supported author, which means he only exists because people give him money to exist. So if you like the fact that Wildbo exists, go to patreon.com slash Wildbo and help that stay true. Yeah, instead of, like, you know, supplementing his, his sense of self with, uh, you know, spirits or, yep. um, you know, the the role of, um, what was it, Peacemaker or something that Mags has, uh, yep. Wildbo's Ambassador. done it with patrons. Yeah. Yeah, ambassador. Yes, uh, Wobbo's done it with patrons, so you know, help help keep him around, and he'll write all these great stories. Yep, definitely. Um, apart from that, uh, we're off, and we'll see you on Wednesday the sixteenth for Dress Twelve Point Four. See you then. Bye.